Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors. Uh, welcome to episode 146 from Panoramic Outdoors. This is Sheldon Grant. And today is a new, well, I don't know how to call it, like a new thing we're doing. We've got a guest host, the one and only April Don Willis. How's it going over there? It's pretty good. That's cool. So we've got April to joint jump on. Uh, Tristan and Chase are busy tonight and I, we need to get this done. So and not only that, we want to talk to April about a few different things, not only her own podcast, but some fishing she, she's done this winter. Um, but before we get started with that, I'd like to say a huge thank you to Co-op. Um, Co-op has been helping us out with the podcast and um, with Panoramic Outdoors for the last little while now. And we couldn't do it without companies like Co-op. So if you're looking to get some fuel, some food, or maybe some building supplies for your um, new tree stand this year, please check out Co-op. And oh, another thing that's kind of cool is that April was telling me today they have some yeah. hooks and stuff they, at the co-op they have in fishing gear. Yeah. They have like a, an array of fishing gear at the co-op in Nipawa. That's cool. I did not know that. So if anybody's listening and wants to grab some last minute on ice uh, tackle, check out the Nipawa co-op. Um, but to get started, we have a cool guest coming up. He um, has been kind of touring around, like kind of like quit his job in a way. He's touring around in his truck and he ice fishes and does a lot of stuff and i don't want to spoil too much so we'll get that right away so tune in for or stay tuned in for that but april tell me about uh your ice fishing tournament that you and blake were participating in oh gosh okay so blake blake and i i, I tell you the honest truth i don't remember who brought up the subject but okay. blake and i participated in the keystone walleye tour this year in um on lake winnipeg so we fished january february and march and i believe it was um once in january twice in february and then once in march i think oh, okay and so there was there's four tournaments in total you are required to fish at least two of the qualifiers and if you rank within a certain range then you're essentially invited to the championship and so blake and i actually fished all three qualifiers just to get the experience on the lake like we figured we had about four or so days of experience ice fishing lake winnipeg before we decided to do this so just fishing more on the lake was a you know a good idea for us we learned a lot uh over this past or over the winter and just a few short months like fishing only a few times and getting a couple pre-fishes in so our game changed a lot from the very beginning in january until the championships in march right and you don't normally before like this year you didn't really frequent like winnipeg like clearly you fished it a few times but it's not like you were there a, a bunch right no not at all i fished actually the two times that i remember fishing lake winnipeg were with you guys so we did the the meetup and that was what three four years ago was the panoramic meetup on lake winnipeg and oh, then yeah. we fished in the in the fish house that one time the like the trailer right. I, up at so, gimli 
Yeah. So that's yeah. pretty much my ice experience on Lake Winnipeg. Well, that's, that's Utah really cool. That, yeah. That's really cool that you guys got to do it and experience it. Not only that, uh, in my mind, very successful placement mm-hmm. um, throughout the weeks. So yeah. great job. Congratulations. Um, what about this wool love? Um, you, as everyone that's listened to our podcast knows that uh, we wear wool love quite a bit, but you got your hands on some wool love. What do you think of it? I did. I So I haven't gone out on a cold trip yet, and I feel like I'm going to miss that because we're in March already and it's going to just get warmer. But I've been wearing the long sleeve shirt and I'm kind of one of those people that when I start to really like something, I'll wear it a lot. I'll wear mm-hmm. it like and wash it and wear it and wash it and wear it. And I'm like looking for other things to wash so that I can wash that item to be able to wear it again right away. <laughs> and I've noticed myself kind of doing that with my wool love shirt. So I think it's safe to say I like it. Yeah. Wool love is, um, I wear it every day, like to work and stuff. And, um, we, yeah, we love wool love here. Um, anybody that's listening to this podcast too, uh, you do know you can go onto the old interweb. You can check out wool love at wool.love and use panoramic 15 for 15% discount. And actually, uh, the Orton outdoor show at the end of April, uh, April 28th or no 29th, 30th, um, wool love is going to be giving us a bunch of, uh, stuff to take there. So check us out at the, at the parkland outdoor show in Yorkton and we'll have a bunch of wool love to do to show and, and some, actually some discounts and giveaways and stuff with uh, teaming up with them. That's awesome. It is awesome. 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 <laughs> I've got a uh, few things already that I want to, I was on the website the other day and there's a few things that I want to try out now. Well, yeah. And now, yeah, like they have like, like the North wall, it's a little bit bigger. Did you check that oh, yeah. stuff out? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty nice. Um, I haven't, I don't know. I think I have a sh- one shirt of North wall shirt, but I think that's about it. Um, so then other than that, what's going on on your plate? You, uh, you're doing the podcast. What do you think of doing the podcast? What do you mean? What do I think of doing the podcast? <laughs> you Pardon? know, I enjoy podcasting. No, um, I know. But like, what do you, how do you find it? Like hosting it by yourself? Like, I think oh, that my. difficult. Um, I find it really hard actually. Um, I, I think because you're, you're doing everything behind the scenes. The, the, the speaking to people is so easy. I, everybody that I've had has been really easy to talk to and great storytellers and they are passionate and excited to share the information that they have or the stories of their life. So that's been wonderful, but you know, finding people and changing schedules and changing dates and that's been really hard. And then Mm -hmm. Just trying to, you know, I've, I've got a few things on the go now, you know, behind the scenes or like second little jobs, if you want to call it that kind of a hobby job. And, and I find it hard to now sort of fit everything into one. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. Um, The other thing that that's kind of new for panoramic is that we're kind of teaming up with, um, with a guy from Winnipeg. Um, And we're going to give you more information on once we kind of start using a little bit more of his product, but he's a, a knife maker so he makes knives and a whole bunch of stuff so we're, we're getting some product for him to try out and we're super excited to to try that um we met him actually at the outdoor show in manitoba here um and yeah just super excited to try it out it's fairs forge forge works um so check them out on, on instagram and facebook and 
join us on the next episode because we'll probably be talking a lot more about it. Um, what are you doing for uh, filleting knives, April? What do you run? I run a, I, th- I believe it's a Hankles is my, okay. was my old favorite. And then we have a catch and cook knife. Oh yeah. One of the folding filleting knives. Um, that was really nice because our Hankles get dull. So yeah. We fish a lot. And I just never really get them sharpened or take the time to do the sharpening. So when we got the catch and cook knife, that was great because it was nice and sharp. And I was like, throw this hankle in the drawer and leave it there and let me use this sharp one. And then I went to a, which outdoor show? I think it was, it was, wasn't the ice fishing show. It was the outdoor show. Okay. And one of the little businesses that was there had the Bubba electrics on sale. And so depending on how, depending on how I feel, depending on how irritated I am by how many fish I have to clean, I'll either pull out like my sharpest filleting knife or I'll pull out the electric. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people using the electric. The one uh, I'm, I've got a couple different ones and like nothing crazy expensive or nothing, but with uh, this Ferris Forge works, he's uh, got some filleting knives for sale and we're, we're going to get a few to try out. So I'm super excited to try like a handmade knife, yeah. not like, um, you know, mass production <laughs> type of well, knife. And I, I find and... too that like ma- mass production, I get it. They're big companies and they need to pump out numbers of items to fill sales invoices and biz- and bigger businesses like say Cabela's and Bass Pro and put all those in, put all the knives in there. Yeah. But I find that they're made probably by men for men. And for example, my Bubba is, it's way too big for my hands. Way too big. Yeah. And I find with other knives, like the, our um, catch and cook knife, it's really nice and small. You know, my knuckles fit up against it and I can press where I need to and still get the flex, but not be worried about my hand slipping through, but it's also not too big. So I'm excited to try, you know, one of the new filleting knives and see just, you know, how universal it is for fit and size, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's something I don't really think about. Um, and I actually have small little clown hands, so <laughs> I I need to find some certain things that fit me properly. It's funny because when I get gloves from like work or whatever, and the store keeper's like, "Oh, what size?" I'm like, "Medium." And they're like, "Look at me!" I'm like, they "Yeah, look at you. <laughs> yeah." I'm like, put my hands in my pocket. I'm like, "Yeah, uh, they're not for me," but they are. Um, yeah, and then I guess the last thing: Did you happen to stop at Harvester when you're out um, by like Winnipeg there, or no? I haven't stopped at Harvester yet. No. No. Harvester is um, a big supporter of Panoramic Outdoors as well. You can find them in Selkirk on Mercy Street, and uh, yeah, they always have some awesome sales. So if you're going through Selkirk, make sure you check, stop there, check out what they have for sale, what they have in stock. Say hi to Sean and all their other employees, and tell them that Panoramic sent you. Um, again, thanks you very much to Harvester Outdoors, their staff, and everybody else that uh, that shops there because you shop in there, and they help us. So it all works. We all work together. Well, today's episode, we've got uh, somebody we found on TikTok, which is very interesting. We've been watching his TikToks for the last, I don't know, weeks, maybe a month now. And it seems like he's been going all over the place. So we had to try to get him on. We sent one message. He messaged us back and we've got him in his truck. Adam Kaufman, how's it going? 
good. How are you guys coming at you from Wisconsin here? From Wisconsin. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of crazy how you can connect with people uh, through social media, but I'm very excited for this podcast episode because I think you're doing something that a lot of people dream about or daydream about, and we'll get to that right away quick. But before we do, we got to do the five burning questions. Um, considering that you are living under your truck, I'm going to give you a couple good ones. Um, but what's the, my first question, first burning question is what's the, what's the biggest downfall about living out of your truck? Honestly, like the, so I, in the winter, I live out of like basically my back seat, right? I know you guys can see my sleeping arrangements right back here, my sleeping, uh, my sleeping bags. But honestly, in the winter, because I carry an ice shanty and all my ice fishing stuff under my topper, I sleep in the back seat. So getting out and just getting up in the morning in the cold, I mean, that's, that's literally one of the hardest things. And then cooking, um, I do all my cooking outside. So those are two of the hardest things, just getting up in the morning, getting out of the cold. I don't run my truck at night for heat and, uh, just coming back after a day of ice fishing and then, uh, having to cook in the cold is two of the hardest things, but we make, okay. we make her happen. Yeah. No kidding. I got so many, I could ask so yeah. many questions yeah. from that. Um, <laughs> But I'm going to keep it on on the rails here and go with my my um, most, most famous question. But if you'd have one last meal, what would you have to eat and drink? I'd be elk steaks with uh, just some really good mashed potatoes. Maybe mix in some pesto, uh, a little bit of sour cream, but elk steaks with some mashed potatoes. And then I'd I'd probably have a good bourbon. Honestly, that'd nice. be my last meal. We seem to have this year. Like in 2023, lots of our guests are bourbon drinkers, it seems. I don't know if there's a trend going now, but that's pretty cool. I love um, my, my beer, but I love my bourbon also. So <laughs> nice. Do you have a favorite bourbon, Adam? There's no I can't let people pass that. Buffalo question. Trace, honestly, it is yeah. the it is the most cost effective bourbon with I think the <laughs> best taste, honestly. Like it's for in, I know you guys are different in Canada, but here in the States, you can literally pick up a bottle of Buffalo trace for like 23 bucks. And I think it, it literally, it competes with some of the best bourbons out there. Yeah. I've, I've heard, heard a lot. I've heard a lot about it too. Yeah. Cutting you we'll off. Have to, we'll, have to, we'll have to get you guys a bottle up there. <laughs> there we go. Oh, we got it up here. It's just, uh, it's not 23 bucks a bottle. So <laughs> this is true. I know this from my experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, Third question, since uh, since you're driving in your truck lots, do you have a um, certain play, like who's on your playlist? Some Like what kind of music do you listen to? Or do you have any like favorite podcasts that maybe uh, some of our listeners might like? That's a that's a very convoluted question. Um, I'm a, oh, yeah. anywhere anywhere from a 90s country guy. I'm born and raised on 90s country. Anything from Garth Brooks to the old Kenny Chesney to just the basics of back to the roots of country to I like some of the new stuff like the Zach Bryans and the Tyler Childers. Um, I like I like that really gritty country. Yeah. Um, podcasts, anything outdoors, honestly, uh, listen to. A lot of the meat eaters stuff, I've kind of fallen off that wagon a little bit lately. Uh, there's a uh, morning radio show I listen to quite a bit out of Michigan. It's more comedy than anything, but lots of podcasts about hunting, fishing, and uh, anything country, really. Nice. Okay, on to me here, I'm guessing. Adam, if you, I, I get the feeling that you you tour around a bit. If If you could only take one fishing lure with you, what would that lure be for fishing? all across North America. Oh, 
that's a very tough question. Um, I'd say a spoon, honestly. I think it's one of the most versatile baits. Uh, you can catch lake trout on it. You can catch walleyes on it, um, panfish, anything. Uh, a, a decent-sized spoon in probably uh, – white's a good color, honestly. I mean, everything likes white. Uh, it stands out in the dark. It stands out in uh, really dingy water. So I'd say a spoon. The correct answer was five of diamonds. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or pickle rig. Have you fished with a pickle rig? I don't. I don't know what that is. Oh man, you got to come up to Lockport. It's great. It's uh, basically. I don't even know how to describe it because there's all those like Texas and Carolina rigs and stuff like that that I don't really know too much about. It's basically just a a vertical line with the weight at the bottom and two snell hooks running off each direction. And it just sits there with we'll to, a live bait on it, obviously. Yeah. 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 We'll have okay. to make a deal. Like uh, if you send up some Buffalo trace, we'll send you a pickle rig because <laughs> 500, 500 the way our rigs. dollar is, it's pretty much equal. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good trade. Uh, no, I mean, it sounds kind of like a drop shot, honestly. I mean, uh, I mean, as far as a vertical rig goes, I fish a lot of drop shot. So that's only one hook, but yeah. 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 This one's good for getting snagged, tangling other people's lines. It's it's yeah. very versatile rig. Okay, perfect. When somebody yeah. really pisses you off. Okay. I <laughs> <that>. <laughs> okay. And then last uh last burner here. If what inspires you or who inspires you? Do you draw where do you draw inspiration from, Adam? To be honest, I don't I don't know if there's any real person. Um I as far as like being around to travel and just trying to live a different lifestyle. Uh, I've just seen too many people spoil their retirements or, you know, or die before they were, you know, could fully enjoy their retirement. Uh, my dad passed away when he was 52. So that's kind of like what drives me to, to kind of live my life now. Um, so that's what inspires me. It's not really a person or any, you know, profile out there. It's just, uh, there's too many things I want to do in the outdoor world. So I want to do it now. Um, it may require mm -hmm. me to work a little bit later. I work as a, uh, a carpenter to make money so I can go travel, uh, self-employed as a carpenter, but yeah, if I have to work a little bit later in life, I'll go do that. But I want to just, I don't want to not experience those things. So that's kind of the motivation behind it. Yeah, it's pretty, that's pretty awesome awesome to hear it's kind of funny because i just went ice fishing with my dad and and that was one thing that we started talking about was about like i've got a couple of buddies that like retired um in my line of work and then like either passed away or you know got some sort of illness where they can't even do anything and it's just like holy shit like what what's going on you know and another person that like talking about inspiration is i don't know if you ever heard of dick pernicky but he was like, a, I don't know, a fella from, I think he was from like the West Coast somewhere, like Seattle somewhere. He was a heavy duty mechanic. Have you heard of this guy or no? I have not, no. Okay, I'm going to tell you this story. <laughs> so he's like a heavy duty mechanic <clears throat> and he like got sick of his job. He's a bachelor, got sick of his job in his like mid thirties and like made some agreement with the Alaskan wilderness or Alaskan forestry to go up to some national park and, and take like weather document the weather and document like uh, water levels and temperatures. So he like went up there with a backpack and a camera and stayed in this old trapper's cabin and built his own cabin and then lived there until he was like 65 or 70. 
And then some of his remaining family were like, Hey dude, like you got to, you got to get out of there. And so he comes out, goes back to like regular society and then gets sick, you know? So like, it's just, I don't know. I, I like a, a very admirable thing that you're doing. And, and that's why we wanted to get you on is like, we want to hear all about it. So if you, if you don't mind, like, how did it start for you? Like when, when were you like, fucking, I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to live in my truck and drive around North America. So about three, three years ago, I've been doing it full time for two years now. Um, but three years ago, I just, uh, I started building my truck out. I worked in the Marine construction industry. I was a project manager did a lot of work on the Mississippi river all around, basically any mar uh, Marine body of water, water body around, um, around the Midwest I did work on. And it was a great, it was a great career, great industry, but honestly, um, did a lot of work for the government and I just kind of got kind of got burnt out um and i'm only 35 but it, after 10 years i was just kind of burnt out and i just said i want to live life differently so i took a lot of inspiration from some of you know just anybody on social media that we see you know hunting and fishing wise uh there's a lot of things i wanted to chase a lot of things i wanted to do and i just said i'm gonna take this year i'm gonna bank some money i'm gonna build up my truck to live out of and then uh quit my job in august right before i landed an elk tag in montana and i spent 45 days in montana elk hunting um, that was one of my goals. I wanted to spend all of April, I mean, sorry, all of September, uh, elk, elk hunting. Um, I just wanted to, I wanted to elk hunt, um, all of September during the rut and I did it and it just went from there. And that's, uh, it wasn't anything like particular that started, but I just was burnt out. And I, I felt like if I got rid of all the shit in my garage that I didn't use and everything that I bought on Amazon and changed my life completely and paid off debt and paid off school loans. I could, I could change my life and we're sitting here two years later and uh, my head's still above the water. So that's cool, man. And so when you are doing this for the last two or three years um, and you did mention doing carpentry on the side or whatever, you, or you can do it in the future is what else is kind of funding your, your travels? Like, are you doing like, it looks like you're doing quite a bit of digital media and stuff like that. Yeah. I make a little bit of money from that and some sponsor support here and there. Um, a lot of it right now is just a labor of love. Um, you know, I do own my own brand as far as free to prowl, do sell some merch, um, do make a little bit of money from, um, some sponsor stuff and some digital, digital, uh, videography and some com commercial videography. I, um, do a little bit here and there, but honestly, it's primarily just hammer out carpentry work. And then when I get bored, hit the road and go travel and figure out where I want to do. I do do some elk hunting or elk guiding um, and mule deer guiding in the fall in Montana. That's uh, that's kind of a new endeavor, but uh, that was pretty lucrative this fall. I'll definitely be going back this year. So as far as guiding, do a little bit of that in the fall. And that just affords me the opportunity to hunt basically every day. I'm just not pulling the trigger. So, yeah, right on. So anyways, I, I kind of want to get back to your, back to your pickup. Can you kind of describe, so, you said that you got a lot of guys fishing gear in it, but like, what are you driving? What is it like when you say you're, you got it all set up, like how is it set up? So I drive a 2006 F uh, 2016 F one fifty, um, just a, a super crew cab. Um, I ripped out the back seat. There's a, a custom platform back there. So basically um, in the warmer months above the platform, I can put a fridge freezer pack a bunch of wild game in the in the freezer section and then uh, can keep all my perishables in the in the fridge section um, below the platform typically goes i can fit a bow i can fit a rifle i can fit two shotguns 
Um, just I can have all of my guns and bows with me. And then uh, there's actually a pullout table that comes out my uh, driver's side uh, back door. That's where I do all my cooking. I can access my fridge freezer. So that's kind of all custom built. And then on the passenger side, if you can picture this, there's a, there's kind of a wardrobe. Um, there's a clothes hanger and that's where all my clothes go. And then in the back, there's a drawer system, kind of like a decked. Um, I have a, a, a wood system, uh, but I have a drawer system and it has um, a custom compartment for some auxiliary batteries towards the front of the bed. And then I keep all my cooking supplies, pots, pans, et cetera, on one side, and then just miscellaneous gear and ammo on the other drawer. And then, um, yeah, I just have an inverter back there and then a auxiliary charger that charges off of my uh, alternator. So I'm pretty set up. Honestly, I can uh, I don't really have to plug in or charge batteries anymore. I had to do it the first year. I didn't have the auxiliary charger off my uh, alternator, but I I can go. I can live and not really have to worry about, uh, you know, plugging in. I have to get water here and there. I just run a little seven gallon water jug in my passenger seat in the front of my truck. But other than that, that's really the only thing I have to grab. Mm-hmm. And you're in Wisconsin right now, you said? Yep. Yep. Traveling around for a month. So just made it back to Wisconsin, which is where I, I technically reside. Okay. And then what's the temperature there right now? You, you said you were sleeping without heat? Uh, is that like is 20, that 20 degrees, I think 20 degrees okay. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you're, so you're sleeping without heat in that, in that rig right now? Yep. No heat. Uh, went, yeah, I was up in Ontario ice fishing all the way to Montana. Um, I haven't, I don't run my truck at night at all. Um, I, I run, uh, an insulated sleeping pad. I run a 15 degree Nemo, um, sleeping bag, uh, that's down. And then I run just, uh, one of those old style, uh, flannel lined Coleman sleeping bags over the top of it, sleep in long johns and sweats and layer accordingly. But, some nights, honestly, in that whole setup, I can literally sleep in shorts and a sweatshirt. It's, it's really yeah. not that bad. Um, you just kind of condition yourself to what you're, what you're able to, uh, you know, deal with. But start my truck in the morning for about maybe an hour in the morning before I get up. Uh, kind of warm up, get the, get the blood boiling a little bit before I got to get out and uh, strip down outside and go change. Um, but that's the only thing at time I really run my truck. I don't run it all night. I don't have a diesel heater. Um, that's just what I've been used to. That does make sense. And, but I'm wondering for your, your layout too, did you, did you have like a floor plan to go off of? Was there some sort of schematic or did you just kind of piece your carpenter? So I'm guessing you had some, some skills and insight as to what you wanted to do, but how did that all come together? Yeah, I, I didn't have a floor pan. I, I mean, there's a lot of people who do this kind of live out of their vehicles um, online. You can kind of get some ideas and, and pick and choose what you want to do. But yeah, just I literally just kind of put it all together. And really, I'm not to my own horn, but in without many mistakes, it all came together. Uh, just kind of pieced it together, ripped my back seat out and just use the old mounting points to mount the frame for my wood platform. Uh, yeah, just uh, just just came together. It's all basically wood and carpet and uh, some wiring behind it for all my auxiliary batteries and outlets, etc. But yeah, no no real floor no real floor plan or schematic. Just uh, try it. That's all I tell people is just go go give it a try. You're, you're only gonna fail. I mean, that's the worst case that can happen, right? Kind of kind of crazy though, pulling apart a new truck. I mean, honestly, I did this uh, yeah three years ago, sixteen. So yeah, I mean, it was only a 
four-year-old truck. Uh, a lot of my buddies gave me some crap about it. I still have the, I still have the seats and the door panel and everything else I ripped out of my truck sitting in a storage unit. So if I ever have to sell it, I'm good, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and it reminds me of that. We did the podcast with Chase and Amy from tight loops and they, they had uh, done it to an old, I think it was a VW Volkswagen van. Was it VW? I'm trying to I think. I can't remember now. I'll have to look it up, but, uh, but yeah, they had taken that thing all across the, uh, you know, basically North America as well, but because of the age of the van, they found that they were having to do so many repairs to it. I remember that it was kind of onerous, just like that was on top of the challenges of kind of like living out of a vehicle. The fact that you had to fix a vehicle on the rig was kind of a difficult experience for them. You with a newer vehicle, I'd imagine there'd be a little less stress around some of that. Yeah, I've been thankful. Things have been good. Um, you know, keep up on on regular maintenance and new tires, you know, basically every year with the amount of miles I put on. Um, but I did start out my trip. So quit my job in August. I wanted to be in Montana to scout elk the week before elk season started in Montana. And I actually got stuck in Sturgis, South Dakota. I repaired basically replaced both my turbos. Cause I run the, uh, EcoBoost, uh, oh, yeah. Ford. So I, I have a two seven EcoBoost, and I, yeah, I was stuck in Sturgis replacing, uh, turbos in a campground. Uh, so that's kind of how my, my trip started out. I got to, I got to Montana my first year living out of my truck about $3,000, uh, <laughs> more than I wanted to spend, but it was, uh, it just proved to me that I could do this, you know, yeah. being resourceful and, I met some really good people when I was in Sturgis. Uh, there was a Mustang rally down there. They always have the Harley rally down there, but late in the season, they actually have a Mustang rally. So met these two older, older gentlemen who were gearheads and they came over and helped me. And we got done with the truck and replaced the turbos in eight hours and sat and shot the shit and drank whiskey after. And it was just kind of like, you want to know what you can do this. There's going to be hiccups. As long as you're resourceful, you can, you can manage. And plus you're going to meet great people and have great experiences along the way. And that just proved me right out the gate. Like a hiccup is just part of the game. So. Yeah, for sure. The other thing I wanted to like, there's, I've got so many questions about (laughs) your, your, like what you're doing and everything. Um, And I also want to talk about your ice fishing gear. Cause I think that's pretty neat what you're running there. So I'm going to go with ice fishing gear in a bit, but like when, when it came to running your truck and running around the country with it, like what did your, I know you've mentioned your friends, but like, what does your friends and family say? Like, did you have many people like even on social media being like, Oh man, this is, this is dumb. Or like, that's awesome. Like what is, what's the response? A lot of people are supportive. A lot of people just don't think like me. So they're very reserved and they think you should work a nine to five. And um, they think you need to just be a normal, you know, normal member of society and not enjoy your, your time like this. And it's, it's, it's 50, 50, honestly. I mean, even last year. So last year I drove to Alaska. I drove all the way from Wisconsin to Alaska, did some commercial fishing up in Alaska, spent two months up there, two and a half months, did some caribou hunting in the Arctic circle. Right. I left there. I left Wisconsin, very stressed, like just like trying to wrap up a remodel job money wise, knowing I'm not going to work for a while. And my mom was like, maybe you shouldn't go. Maybe you, maybe you shouldn't go. And my mom's one of my biggest supporters. She loves like seeing my videos. She checks in every day. She's my biggest supporter, but just that mentality of maybe you shouldn't go because you're a little stressed. And it's like, nah, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. 
I got to grind. I got to make it happen just because I want to experience it. You know, who can say they've driven all the way to Alaska. Right. So it's twofold, like the whole, whole mentality. Some friends support me, some friends, like they kind of chuckle and they're like, when are you going to get a job? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying because like I was telling you before we started the podcast, like I, I travel quite a bit with my job. I, I don't really have many, like, I don't have, well, I have some roots, you know, here and there, but I, I know like my, for instance, my dad, he's like, oh, when are you going to settle down and, you know, grow some roots and have a fa- like do whatever. And I'm just like, I don't know, like, I'm kind of enjoying what I'm doing, but like a lot of things that you're saying right now are the things that I still want to do. Like I still, I want to drive to Alaska. I want to go see the Yukon. I want to go all do all these things. And it's just like envious, you know, <laughs> in a way, but yeah, I, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Like, uh, yeah, the, the people just don't think that way. They just think, you know, go work your nine to five and pay your taxes and have a beer after work if you want. Yeah. And you uh, can do all that and still travel, honestly. <laughs> just a, it takes a different mentality. Like you might have to freeze your ass off at night. Uh, and, and I don't, honestly, like I'm real comfortable, but it just takes a different mentality to go do it. And once you kind of commit to it and you don't have anything to go back to, uh, it, it just, it changes your mindset. You know, you want to stay out here longer and longer and just experience new, new things. Adam, are you normally overnighting in a campground or like a parking lot side of the road? Like what's like Hawaiian beach? Like what's the setup here? Access points, logging roads. I've done truck stops and rest stops. Uh, I've slept in a Canadian tire and now um, white horse, the Yukon. So, I mean, anywhere in any place where kind of, it depends on what I, what my anticipation is for that night. If I'm just traveling, obviously carry less. If I want to be close to an access point for fishing or hunting wise, um, I find something kind of off the grid. Cause I just don't want to be bothered. Honestly, I just, I park anywhere being able to sleep out of my truck without a truck, uh, like a, a rooftop tent, or having a camper on, I can get away with pretty much sleeping anywhere. I've never got knocked on by the police, knock on wood. Um, I've parked in a bar parking lot or a brewery parking lot before. Like, hey, I want to stop and have a few beers at this brewery. I'm going to sleep in your parking lot. Nobody ever cares, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just wherever I kind of want to call home is that where I call home. You're selling me on this every, every. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a brewery. Anyways, uh, uh, you must log a lot of miles too, I'm guessing. Like, have you, do you count how many miles you log in a, in a year, or like in a given time period? Yeah, I, I mean, this is probably my biggest year driving to Alaska. I think that whole round trip, I think that was close to 11,000 miles. Um, it's like 30, I think it was like 3,600 to and from um, each way. So yeah, you're looking at over, over 7,000 right there and then driving to the Yukon and back. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't like looking at my odometer because this truck is purpose built and the more miles I put on it eventually means I eventually have to buy a new one or do some repairs. So I don't like looking at my odometer because <laughs> I'm not in the, I'm not in the uh, market to buy a new truck right now. So. That's funny. <laughs> but logging, logging all those miles, I, I'm wondering like, what is there? There's gotta be some things that stand out in your mind as to like, you've, you've probably seen some pretty weird shit or pretty interesting shit along the road. I would imagine eh? on the, oh, 
Oh yeah. Like just weird ass cars and what people do to their vehicles. And I don't know if Snapchat's big in uh, Canada, but we have Snapchat in the U S and I have a group with my buddies. It's, it's titled, why didn't I think of that? And it's all just the crazy stuff we see with vehicles. And I'm usually leading the pack with all the crazy things I see because I've seen people build truck toppers out of doors and I've seen people do, you know, do this and that. And Oh yeah. Uh, the stuff I see on the road is just, it's, it's just amazes me sometimes. <laughs> Sheldon, I'm trying to think of who else we were chatting to that was on the road and we were trying to get like best gas station snacks out of, do, do you remember that? No, not off the top of my head. I don't know. It was Bob Azumi. Food. Bob Azumi. Oh yeah. Bob Azumi. Yeah. We we're trying to get it out of Bob Azumi. Do you, do you have a, a gas station go to there, Adam? So in the, in Wisconsin, we have quick trips. They're just, they're great for everything. But my go-to on the road is honestly any pizza. Uh, out west, you find Town Pumps. They're they're great for pizza. It's two for six. You go in there, you get two for six on two slices of pizza. And until recently, when we had some crazy inflation, it was dollar medium. They call them pumpers, but it's a fountain drink. Yeah, for seven bucks, you had a, a large Mountain Dew and two pieces of pizza, and it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All jacked up on Mountain Dew. <laughs> oh yeah. I lived out of that, a town pump and that exact meal for basically a whole fall hunting elk out in Montana. So that was my reward. I'd go hunt for a couple of days, get lost in the mountains, come back to town and straight to the mountain doing pizza. <laughs> you, you boys see that meme where it was like, uh, they're talking about, uh, the show a picture of a hunter and they're like, I'm doing it for the, the food and the non GMO meat. And then it shows a picture of what's in their pack to eat. And it's just a bunch of like fucking Skittles and <laughs> yep. Yeah. Cheetos. I'm bad for Cheetos. Yeah. 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 We're all Most, big on snacks. Yeah. All snackers. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the next question I do have for you and like speaking of snacks and comfort foods or whatever, but like, what are the things that you miss about not being in your truck all the time? Like, what do you miss about? Like, is there anything that you're just like, fuck, I just wish I could go home and have lasagna or something. You know what I mean? Like just like what a is micro, it? Like, a microwave. Oh yeah. yeah. A microwave. I, nice. Yeah. That's like one of the biggest things. Like if I want to find a microwave, I got to find a gas station. I'm rarely ever buy one, but yeah. Like if I want to keep leftovers um, and not have to bust out my two burner stove and propane and all that stuff, I got to have a microwave. Right. I mean, it's pretty nice ice fishing, uh, which is what I'm doing now. I can just, I heat, I do a lot of cooking on my heater and my ice shanty um, do so much cooking and heating up food on that but yeah just a microwave just being able to just be like 30 seconds rather than having to go through a half hour ordeal yeah so yeah that'd be a pain in the ass i think quite a bit like uh yeah having or frozen beer having frozen beer all the time because (laughs) in the winter i don't have a i don't keep a fridge freezer i just have a uh I have a cooler in the back of my truck that I keep a bunch of wild game in that I cook that I bring from home, which typically stays frozen. But yeah, beer is just like, it's frozen all the time, all the time. <laughs> That's not good. That's why you're sleeping at breweries. So you can get fresh stuff. Exactly. I, I was going to say, I've heard stories of beer going bad, but I've never experienced it. <laughs> well, let me tell you, it does. I've had a lot of popped cans. Oh yeah. shit. That, that can is full of air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's heartbreak if i've ever heard it yeah I, i'm curious about the alaska trip like that that sounded like uh kind of a trip well it is a trip of a lifetime if you're not from alaska i'd imagine 
did it was that on the bucket list or did it just come come from somewhere like what what set that off yeah a lot of this stuff has been driven by bucket list uh so i have a list i call my prowling list um it's basically stuff i want to do before i die fishing ice fishing canada that's one thing i checked off this year ice fishing fort peck that's one thing i checked off this year so it's all driven by that i i do have a friend who is a commercial fisherman in alaska He's from Wisconsin. He teaches in Wisconsin. He goes up there every summer and commercial fishes. So I've always kind of like, yeah, that'd be fun to do. And he didn't have a, a deck hand for the commercial fishing season this year and went up there and uh, just yeah, threw my name in the hat. And it was, it was fun. Just kind of an excuse to get up there, do a little work. And then uh, yeah, ended up picking up some caribou tags uh, over the counter in Alaska. Caribou tags are 600 bucks. Uh, I pick them up over the counter. Yeah. Just, decided to experience it all so did you did you get lucky with the caribou i did not i missed uh three of them no <laughs> with the bow uh we were hunting off the hall road so if you know anything about the hall road in alaska you can bow hunt within five miles of the hall road otherwise if you want to use a firearm on the hall road you have to be uh you have to be five miles off the hall road and that's all because the pipelines there safety etc so uh, I was strictly bow. Me and uh, another buddy were strictly bow, and I got some great stocks in. But and it's crazy, like you can get so close to them, stocking in on them in the tundra, in the barren wasteland, right? But then you can only get so close. Every time I was just about eighty to ninety-five yards from a caribou, and that's all the closer I could get before they kind of picked you off. And I'm not one to really let arrows fly, but after you spend two hours and kind of you know, try to make a shot. And I missed all three of them. One, one low, one high. And I sent one right over one's antlers another time. So I got shots. It was fun. I, I enjoyed it, but didn't come mm -hmm. home with a caribou. So. And I'd, I'd imagine like being from the Midwest, you're kind of a, a long way from Kansas at that point in time, if like part of the pun, but like, it was, was there some, some big, like, I don't want to call them cultural differences, but like what, were there things about Alaska that you really enjoyed or like what was the did you notice things that were different from maybe being more in like the the southern side of the the continent there well they don't have light all year and like if it's raining or not in the summer those folks are outside it don't matter honestly it's like put on your rain jacket get outside because right they don't in, the, in the winter they have no sun basically yes. right I mean that's like the biggest thing I was just talking to somebody about the, like we went outside like I've I shot so many rounds of archery at this really nice uh archery course um right behind the airport in Anchorage in the rain and it was just like we're going put on your rain jacket go but it was fun it was experience yeah they just they like they just really like being outside because they have such a short window but the people are super nice um super adventurous I have no complaints about Alaska yeah were you there in the summer because when you're I'd imagine like the winter's very little light, but in the summer, you sure get a lot of light, right? You get like, uh, Oh yeah. We get, we were literally pulled into, uh, the Arctic circle, uh, saw caribou run in front of the truck. We literally are like getting to our destination after driving like 10 hours. Uh, it's 10 o'clock at night. The sun's still up. And my buddy who had hunted up there before is like, yeah, we should probably have one of our bows out. I'm like, dude, it's 10 o'clock at night. He's like, don't matter. Like you, you, you can hunt till the sun goes down so that's uh yeah that's definitely uh eye-opener being up there hunting when it's uh 10 o'clock at night 
that's crazy <laughs> i've always wanted to hit alaska and yukon it just seems i don't know I'm, I'm a sucker for the north i've worked up north in northern manitoba and stuff so always wanted to be up there so that's very interesting to hear you say getting into the ice fishing world though like what you've been doing the last <clears throat> few months here you've got a pretty cool setup what is that thing for anybody that's listening you can maybe explain it that that tows you around the lake in the winter time yeah so i uh i took a old blown up 89 polaris trail indy snowmobile uh chopped off the front end um had to drill out a million rivets pain in the butt but got rid of the front basically engine bay front clip skis everything so all i have is the tunnel the track the skid and then on top of it uh, mounted a six and a half horsepower engine and then there is a cvt clutch that does that's designed for those six and a half horsepower engines that's basically for running like a go-kart but ran that to the drivetrain on the um on the snowmobile runs the same chain case i can run the same brake etc and that thing runs in front of me with a flip over handlebar. So I stand in my ice shanty and that thing pulls me, um, pulls, goes in front of the ice shanty and then you just ride and then it pulls you along. It only does about maybe 10 to 15 miles an hour, but to be honest, it's so efficient and being able to travel around this country, your guys's country, wherever I can, I can do it pretty efficiently. I don't have to pull a trailer. I put it on a hitch hauler. So. Oh, nice. So what would be like the, like, do you know, like, uh, estimate weight and stuff on it like it so obviously with that smaller engine like it can't be that, that i bet heavy. you if it weighs 150 pounds max maybe oh yeah nice you know plus it's on a track so i've had it on four inches of ice i mean if if you can walk out there and pull your shanty and you're sitting in a shanty on four inches of ice you can drive this thing out there so it's pretty nice in that sense um i will say if if anybody was ever thinking about building one it needs to you need to make sure the track has picks in it studs etc um it it just needs that because it doesn't have the weight right you're not sitting on it it doesn't have a lot of a lot of weight so you need the you need picks to be able to move on bare ice for sure yeah it makes sense and then then you're pulling your your shanty so like how are you set up you got a what kind of shelter are you running and i run an otter a rock yeah. otter x over cabin it's it's perfect size for me. And the reason I went to an otter, I used to have a clam. I went to an otter primarily for the sled design. I think otter has one of the best sled designs. I have no connection to them. I just, I like the otter sled, especially for deeper snow and pulling, pulling myself with that smaller machine. I need all the efficiency I can get because that thing doesn't, it doesn't necessarily like deep snow and it doesn't like uh, slush. So I need to be able to have a good, good sled design. Mm-hmm. And then like you obviously do a lot of like self-filming and stuff. So is that shelter like big enough to do everything? Like, are you happy with it that way? I am. I, I actually sleep in it too. I set up a cot inside of it. I, I would love to have a bigger one. I'd love to have the lodge or the resort, uh, whatever the bigger otters are, but yeah, for, for my, myself fishing one hole, having a heater in there, I only in a small space, I only have to run the smallest buddy heater. I can sleep in it, set a cot up in it, still fish. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a great size, honestly, for one person. Yeah. And then I guess my other question was about ice fishing. So you, you started off this year, started traveling, you left from Wisconsin. Where did your trip take you? Like you said, you went up to Ontario, like, where'd you go? And and what were you trying to target on your, on your trip this, uh, when you yeah. left? I got a butt in there. Like I, I noticed fish Canada was on the, on the bucket list and we've, we've got a bit of geography up here, a bit of 
space. So just, uh, was it just anywhere in Canada or was it somewhere specific in Canada? Uh, I mean, there is, uh, some, some Winnipeg greenbacks around my list that's on there. Um, I would also like to, the rainy river, I'm a big sturgeon fisherman. I like fishing sturgeon. So that stuff's on the list too, but I had a connection in Ontario, actually my, uh, future brother-in-law, his, uh, his best man, uh, lives in Ignis and runs a fish camp in the summer on press lake so i was up there kind of picked his brain on some insight i just i basically i text him on like a thursday and i think i left on a friday and i'm just like i'm leaving what do you got for me how's the fishing where should i go um and i'm i'm a i'm a diy guy i i i truly am i love diy i love trying to figure stuff out i love the just the challenge of it and the freedom to go wherever i want so yeah i just I went up there, just picked his brain a little bit on some lakes. And he basically told me a logging road to go off of and said, these lakes will be good for this. My prayer, primary goal on this whole trip, I'm a, I really like chasing lake trout. I just, I like the fight. I like the challenge. I like the, the, the size. I like the way they chase baits, you know, from the bottom to the top. So that was the goal. But I also wanted to catch some walleyes up there and maybe a, a pout or two. So he threw me a couple spots and I, I caught some lake trout up there, caught some walleyes up there, caught some uh, caught some burbot, some pout, um, some lingcod, whatever you guys want to call them. Um, but yeah, just uh, just it was fun up in Ontario. Yeah, that's cool. I uh, was yeah, like I said earlier, they were following you on on uh, tiktok and you got like a monster laker didn't you not i got yeah a couple monster lakers yeah um yeah just of course didn't have the cameras ready it happened <laughs> while i was kind of switching spots and uh uh yeah that that was one of my biggest lakers i've caught to date i don't know it's like 35 inches i mean it was just a, it was a big fat one it was fun i can't say i've been going after lakers i've only been going after lakers probably the last probably four years um it's a little tough in wisconsin going after lakers but that's why i kind of got to venture out but it's definitely taught me some things on chasing them and i've had fun doing it so what did you catch a big the big uh lake trout on was it a white tube <laughs> your favorite seems... <laughs> yeah white seems... northland tackle tube with a stinger stinger hook honestly it was a it was a four inch i think it was a four inch white tube it was like three quarters of an ounce in like 60 foot of water um he was super high in the water column i think he was only like 20 feet deep literally like saw him on i run a pan optic so i can see what's going on i was setting up the shanty had the pan optics in there and i hadn't even had the really the shanty flipped over yet it's literally in one of the videos it's sitting on top of the pan optics and uh i see him drop and i dropped the bait real quick and he turned around and hammered it and then it was kind of a shit show after that <laughs> no way <laughs> it's yeah. funny out here um I think it's probably because of the bait that's available to these fish, but some of the the largest lake trout I've caught out in Manitoba here have been off of little like two and a half inch tube jigs. They're just tiny, tiny little jigs. So I don't know if it's a, that they're just eating small shiners or what, but yeah, I, I've tried the big four or five inch, six inch kind of tube jig, and it just doesn't seem to be a hit out here for whatever reason. So I have most of my luck on these little tiny white tube jigs, and it's really weird pulling in a fish that big, and you're just praying that the hook doesn't bend or because you're, <laughs> you're fishing it off like a quarter inch jig, right? Or a quarter ounce jig or something like that, right? And you're like, oh. I Jesus. was in Colorado last year. It was the same deal. Like not no big ones, but they, out in Colorado, they call Lake Trout Mackinac. So 
trying to catch uh, lake trout out there, uh, like Lake Granby, for example, I, I struggled. I was using three inch tubes, two inch tubes, four inch tubes, got a couple marks, but they just, they weren't interested. And then I finally ran into this one guy at the boat launch and he saw my truck and he's like, Oh, you've been here a few days. How you been fishing? How you been doing? I was like, I am caught shit. Like, what's going on? And he opened his, the back of his uh, little, uh, his little homemade box on the back of his snowmobile. And he just pulls out all these little crappie jigs with just a little tiny piece of Senko on them, little tiny worm, little tiny grub. I mean, I'm talking like baits that are literally an inch long, maybe at 60 feet deep. And he's like, you got to go small. Went out the next day and I hammered a bunch of, you know, nice, like 15 to 20 inch Lakers. But yeah, it's just crazy. It's crazy. Like how that stuff changes. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, there is, there's still a trout day. Eh? They could be picky. Uh, uh, I always say, just- I always say trout are so predictable but unpredictable at the same point, right? Like they'll chase and they'll show themselves and they'll tell you they're a trout and they'll be in the right spot. And then they'll just come up and look at the bait and they'll disappear and they'll be gone. Right. Um, so they are the most predictable and unpredictable thing. You know, it's, it's just, but it's fun. That's why I like chasing them. Yeah. Uh, what, what's your plans now? Like uh, well, up here in Canada, we have, you know, three or four weeks left before the ice gets sketchy if that but uh, do you have any more ice fishing plans for the rest of the year here i'm gonna fish so right now yeah back uh back in wisconsin i'm up in the northernmost portion of wisconsin up in bayfield red cliff so we're up up here on lake superior i'm gonna try and fish this for the next couple days few days we'll see i'm kind of making my way back to wisconsin unfortunately i have a lot of uh a lot of customers calling, ringing my phone that want me to come back to work because I've been gone for such a long time. But I don't know after this trip if I'll do much more ice fishing. My sister gets married in Texas in the middle of April. So I'm actually going to take my truck and drive down there, go to the wedding, and then I'm going to go to my buddy's ranch in Texas and do some turkey hunting, maybe some hog hunting. Um, so I'm going to do that. And then we come right back to Wisconsin turkey hunting season um in may april here and then i actually have a big small malt tournament on uh the bay of green bay um lake michigan which is uh pretty well known for for big small malt. so i got a small malt tournament up there uh early may so kind of oh, yeah. this might be the last the last shot here in the next couple of days and catch some uh catch some nice fish so what you're saying is that if i said to you like hey let's fish uh lake winnipeg this weekend you're not gonna just turn your truck start heading north right now <laughs> after this <laughs> I mean, it's on the list. Like I said, <laughs> right have to plan it for next year, but I know I, I definitely want to like, I, I, yeah, the more the merrier. Like I just, I like adventuring, like, like trying new spots and Winnipeg's on the list. So you might be able to twist my arm. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, we'll have to keep in touch because um, just in my mind, just for ice fishing wise, you could hit Lake Winnipeg and then keep heading North and go up to like Clearwater Lake and by the paw, they have big Lakers there you know, and, you know, hit, hit some of those good spots up there, Barbie Lake, another good one for rainbow, but yeah, anyways. So then, uh, so after ice fishing, after spring, blah, 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 coming into the fall, you said you do a bit of guiding. Um, and that's part of your plan this fall. You'll go over to Colorado and start guiding Montana. Yeah. Or Montana's. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I guide in central Montana for elk and mule deer. It's kind of an opportunity that fell in my lap, but, uh, I was always leery about guiding because I I'm really selfish with my time i like to like to hunt myself i like to hunt out west myself but 
it's an opportunity that kind of fell in my lap and I've, I've loved it chasing elk muleys hunting every day just not pulling the trigger so yeah we've we've had quite a few outfitters on guides etc but and i tend to ask this the same question to them so i'm gonna ask you the same thing but what is it that you do like about it like i know it's like hunting without pulling the trigger but like is it the is it meeting the people or is it just being outside like what is it that you like about it uh, especially for elk which is kind of more of what we're known for in central central montana uh, we, we do have really good muleys and, and whitetail but i like the elk hunting side of it and just being able to constantly interact with them to call to them to get them to work it's just it's it's a blast i mean i grew up i grew up duck hunting and doing some turkey hunting and those interactions are always great but when you get a bull that isn't being i mean we hunt a, i hunt a lot of lease we hunt a lot of lease stuff um we lease like twenty thousand acres uh the outfitter does and being able to just interact with those elk without being having a lot of pressure and being able to play with them and try and outsmart them. I just like the game. I like the game. I like walking into their bedroom when I know where they're bedded, start bugling to them and they show their face at two in the afternoon, right? Cause you pissed right. them off. Like just the fun and the, and the head games. I mean, it's more for me, it's, it's more a, a, a fun for me to play with the elk and the reward is getting them in front of the client um so that's what i like about it yeah we do a bit of elk hunting up here in uh, manitoba and it's it's pretty tough because it's pretty much well where we hunt it's pretty much all bush so we do a bit of calling and then a lot of you know bushwhacking to to find them so yeah it's when you get other people like on the podcast talking about montana or colorado or wherever they're arizona or wherever <clears throat> it's very interesting to hear some of the tactics and you know some of the things that you guys are doing that might be a little bit different than us but tristan what else you got on are any more lined up here before we uh start winding well, her down yeah yeah well i could talk about elk hunting all day mainly because like <laughs> we still we're still struggling to pull one up with the bow um but uh i was also thinking about like just like the fishing down in Texas there too, or, or no, sorry. I was going to ask you about fishing on big water, ice fishing specifically. Like, do you, have you fished ice fished like Lake Michigan you mentioned there, things like that. Cause up here we have Lake Winnipeg and Lake Manitoba, which are large lakes for, for our area. Um, but I, I know those great lakes are, are pretty big, like really big as well too. Like um, some folks, when they come up, maybe they haven't been exposed to, uh, a lake the size of Lake Winnipeg and they just don't realize how quick the wind gets up and like how careful you have to be with knowing your weight on and off the ice um, especially before like a lot of this like I got GPS on my phone now but before I, I always made sure that I had a handheld GPS or something when I was going on the lake because if it turned into a whiteout situation things got pretty pretty dangerous pretty quick um, do you have experience with that Adam like what's the what's it, what's it like fishing on a great lake it can be gnarly, especially up here. So we're on the very north north tip of Wisconsin, like I said. So we Lake Superior doesn't always freeze. I mean, sometimes it freezes in Duluth and the and the east bank of uh, or the west bank of Lake Superior freezes, but usually around the Apostle Islands, um, which is a bunch of sheltered water, right? But you're still sitting over that 300, 350 feet, uh, pretty deep water for big lakers. So it's a real popular area to fish, but it freezes. Um, got a lot of sheltered areas. So the big thing here is the wind, honestly, like you said, because the majority of Lake Superior is open. 
it, literally I I've I've sat and been been able to watch the waves from Lake Superior roll over the ice, right? And you hightail it. I mean, because I mean, two weeks ago, I think it, it blew out here, uh, broke up all the ice. The wind blew in from the north at 50 miles an hour, broke up all the ice. Two days later, it refroze in these big chunks. But if you're on there, you're going to have a hard time getting off. So it can be gnarly. Get limited cell phone service. Once you get out there, you get blocked by these big. I mean, these islands and the Apostle Islands, if you've never seen them, they're, they're big islands. They sit out of the water, you know, a good 150 feet high with the trees, right? It might be an exaggeration, but they're, they're, they're tall, right? You get limited service. So having some type of GPS or satellite uh, SOS, I run a Garmin inReach. Um, I'm thankful to have run a Garmin uh, GPS uh, for my fish finder. I've had to rely on it to get off the lake multiple times in whiteout scenarios when the wind picks up. So just being prepared. And I think it's, it's a matter of putting yourself in those scenarios and just understanding if you rely on your electronics, if you have them there and just being confident to get off the ice. Cause a lot of people in those situations, they just, they panic, you know, and they don't know what to do. Shit's going to happen out there. I mean, let's, let's face it, a bigger lakes, shit's going to happen. I mean, I was just on Fort Peck in Montana. I could see where I wanted to go. It looked like it was real close. One way on my little snow machine was six and a half miles out where I wanted to fish. That's if you didn't do any prospecting, you know, now you prospect and you're a mile farther and now you're making that trek back. And if the wind whips up or the snow starts blowing, it can be a challenge. Just have the right gear with you. Yeah. And I, it's traveling on a snow machine, even on those big lakes, it's not like you're trail riding either. Cause there's so many drifts and, and like, sometimes it's the case where you're hitting a three foot drift and then you're hitting bare ice. And then, you know, you got to keep your eye out for like an ice ridge or something like that too. So it's not exactly like smooth going either when you're, when you're on the lake, right. It's uh six miles might get done real fast if you're on a groomed tra- trail, but uh six miles on the ice can be pretty treacherous sometimes. Oh, it beats you up. Honestly, it does. I mean, uh, there's, I don't look forward to getting out of the warm <laughs> shelter of the otter, uh, the heat and getting everything ready and doing the six miles back in. It's, it's a pain in the butt. It's rough. It's yeah. Like you said, I mean, pressure ridges, et cetera. We'll see that here. I saw that on Fort Peck. I mean, yeah. Pressure ridges are their own, are their own nightmare in themselves. You know, you just got to be careful around them and just be smart out there. Honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't have confidence doing something, don't do it. But at the same point, I will say from my experiences, don't be stupid, don't be unsafe, but sometimes you got to challenge yourself to get out mm-hmm. there and just get a little uncomfortable or you're not yeah. going to, you're not going to go that extra distance. So, yeah. And you said you were fishing 300, 350 feet. Did I hear that correctly? Well, out by the apostles, you can, I, I don't technically do that. Uh, there's a whole different style of fishing. If you're going to go do that, they actually call it bobbing. Um, they use a, a hoop. Um, they use basically a steel cable on a ring and it, it goes to some braided line and then it goes to some mono line, but that's how they actually fish. That's the super deep for those Lakers here. I'm probably typically fishing 150 might be my deepest on a rod and reel, um, hundred, you know, you can typically find some good structure in about a hundred, 120. Yeah. I think most of the deep fishing we do here has got to be like 80. 90 yeah. you'd be lucky to push it 100 100 feet in some of these lakes but what's it like fighting a fish down there that's 150 feet or something like that like is it hold on 
Yeah. I mean, you got a long fight ahead of you, honestly. I mean, we all know how lake, I mean, if you haven't caught a lake trout, they fight. I mean, that's one of the best parts about them is they fight. Um, they'll pull drag, they'll fight. Uh, and now you're doing it 150 foot deep. You got a long fight ahead of you. Um, especially I only typically run 12 to 15 pound fluorocarbon leader to 20 pound braid. You probably get away with a little heavier braid. It's just kind of what I run, but, um, yeah, you, you got to take your time. It's going to get, uh, it's going to wear on you, you know, big head shakes. I use a long rod. I use a 40 inch rod just to absorb some of those head shakes. Um, it's a pretty, it's like a medium heavy. I, I use an old Fenwick ice tech elite. I love it. Bought it. I think I bought it the first time I came up here for like 40 bucks at the local like bait shop. Um, that was probably five, six years ago when things were reasonable, but I love it. It's got a good bend on it. It absorbs those head shakes. Good, a good reel, uh, good line and good drag. You'll be good to go. Kind of a side story here. Just thinking about big fish in Manitoba here. We have two cities. Well, we have a few cities, but Winnipeg's our biggest. Brandon's our second biggest. And in Brandon, we have this river that goes through it and there's sturgeon in the river, right? I've caught, I've caught a 45 inch sturgeon in the summertime but a guy in Brandon just the other day caught a 51 inch, this guy named Cal Furclaw. I know him. Uh, I've worked with him before, but yeah, he caught a 51 inch sturgeon through the ice right in the city of Brandon. So um, as far as I know, it's right in the city of Brandon. So I thought that was pretty cool. And that would probably be a long, long, tough fight as well. Uh, I have some experience sturgeon fishing. So I used to live on the Mississippi river. I, I actually, it's probably one of my other favorite fish to catch because it's literally the can be the biggest longest fish you'll ever catch through the ice right uh nothing else really touches it yeah you get some big musky but lake sturgeon in wisconsin can get up to 60 inches 60 mid 60s uh mm-hmm. so i i actually f- stumbled on a sturgeon bite back in the day when i lived on the mississippi river and i was addicted to it for a long time <laughs> but my <laughs> second a- my second fish through the ice was a 54 <laughs> oh wow what my third it- third fish through the ice with a 54 and a half i've never even touched that i've done it for the last like three four years i've never even touched that what does a good sturgeon bite consist of sitting and waiting <laughs> drinking a lot of beer because you, you literally sit that bait on the bottom honestly it's yeah. the most boring fishing in the world you sit that bait on the bottom for us i typically use a glow-in-the-dark bait like spoon or a spoon with a a light stick in it like the, the northland tackle glow shots work really well because those sturgeon are they're used to um swimming in the dark they they have a decent eyesight but it's kind of pretty shitty honestly they pretty much use their barbels and their scent so big stinky bait a little bit of light to intrigue them and that's how i found my luck and then uh, once you hook into them it's a rodeo <laughs> and the hardest thing is honestly to try and land them um, especially by yourself so in wisconsin we're only allowed up to a 12 inch hole that's all we can have so using an eight inch auger to try and kind of make like a triangle up to 12 inches to give you a little bit more room but trying to get that fish through by yourself holding the rod right and this fish is trying to fight it's a lots of tail grabs to try and get them out it's something to be said about it <laughs> <laughs> no shit when I, well, I caught that one a couple summers ago and it was kind of funny because everyone is making fun of me because it was a last minute thing. Like, Oh, I'll come down to the river. We're all fishing. So I'm like, okay. So I didn't know I have never really fished that river before in my life. So I just like showed up with my walleye rod and I actually threw on a pickle rig because I just cast it out in the middle of the river and just like, well, whatever, I'll just shoot the shit with everyone. And then like, yeah, a couple hours later, 
I have this like sturgeon on and I'm like fighting it with a walleye rod and it's just like, holy moly, it took forever to get it in. And, but yeah, you're sent it back healthy. Have, so you're lucky you still have the bearings on your reel and that after that. <laughs> oh, I know it was crazy though. Like, like I fought some pretty big Jack and, you know, walleye trout, whatever with rod and reel. And, but a sturgeon, it's like, it's like a bulldozer, just really slow and just keeps pulling. Like pulling. it's yeah. not fast. There's no, not many head shakes or not the one I caught. It's just like, it was just pulling the entire time. Yep. It was crazy. Get them like ice fishing, get them out of the hole and they just start throwing their whole body. I mean, you'll like that line will be, you get nervous because that line is literally jumping from getting caught <laughs> on this side of the hole. And then they, they rip their head over here and it flings off and gets stuck on this side of the hole. You're like, you're really nervous, but yeah, they're, they're fun, honestly. And just, yeah, like I said, prehistoric and, and big, literally the biggest fish you can probably catch the ice. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool looking. And like the texture, like they feel super cool too. Do you guys spear them down that way? I'm guessing not if your, your holes are only 30 or what do you say? 12 inches or is that a whole different kind of, I see it. It's a whole, that's a whole different thing. So Lake Winnebago, uh, which is the biggest inland lake in Wisconsin, you can actually spear them. It's a season. Uh, there's a quota. Yeah, you can literally go out there, cut a six foot hole, put a put a house over it, and throw spears at at sturgeon. Uh, minimum, it has to be thirty six inches in order to to uh, keep it or spear it. Um, so a lot of guys put down like pieces of siding right in an axe, so they can kind of judge distance. They put down hoops of PVC, everything and anything, decoys, and then yeah, they just kind of they swim through on the bagel system. It's probably one of the most prevalent system for sturgeon. On that system, they can get to, they're huge. I mean, they can be 100, 100 plus pounds, uh, 150 wow. pounds. Like they're, they're massive surgeon in that, uh, in that, that system. And it's, it's really cool. Like it, it's just, it's something that they've really taken care of over time. They've really withstood the tradition of sturgeon fearing back in the day. So it's, it's pretty cool. I've never done it. I have buddies who do it, but it's also on the list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be something to see for sure. Even up here, we have uh, there. There's some sturgeon fisheries that are are not doing as well, unfortunately. But they had these old smokehouses along the river, and each cabin would have a little brick smokehouse outside of it, still along this river system, because that's what the families would would like literally smoke these sturgeon in, uh, you know, like back in the fifties and the sixties and stuff like that. So back mm. when, obviously, when the the mindset was different around sturgeon fishing. Um, they were they were able to get away with that but uh yeah i mean there's story there's stories like people going through the depression um in wisconsin like going and spearing sturgeon like that's how they lived honestly yeah. um there's a great documentary on uh, netflix man the frozen chosen or something like that but it's all the history of spear spearing sturgeon on the bagel system and like how historic it is and what these people used to do just trying to feed their families so the technology's come a long way <laughs> yeah and you said decoys for sturgeon like that kind of blows my mind a little because when i think of the sturgeon it's like mainly like a bottom feeding style fish like what how how's it getting drawn into a decoy here do you have just any curiosity answer? honestly yeah. uh they just they come up and look at it people hang coffee cups um they they hang like chartreuse little wooden carved sturgeon people hang some very random things i think part of it is you know just uh they get they feel like it's a lucky lucky lure right um but yeah they just they come up they kind of 
come off the bottom and they look at it and they're just they have kind of crappy eyesight so they don't know exactly what that white thing is hanging out there and they look at it and okay drop your your spear just wait here adam (laughs) i've I've got like this thing in my mind now thinking did somebody like accidentally drop their coffee coffee cup and they're like hooked it and they're reeling it up and they're like oh shit a sturgeon and then it was like oh it's the coffee cup right it's it's you know what i mean it's not like they could have like hung something there and the surgeon was just swimming by like randomly like where's where's this where's this is it proven that there's <laughs> i don't know honestly i don't know i, I love know. it it's, it's I, I think it's a it's a whole thing let though, your right? imagination work but there are some people who hang some pretty weird and raunchy things down there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how'd that get down there (laughs) exactly where's that come from it's just it's i don't know it's a thing (laughs) yeah but i mean i'm telling you like they'll have literally like drawings and bars for like 300 like carved sturgeon decoys yeah around around there because it's just like it's a thing (laughs) yeah no there's an art and a community side to it too right because like yeah i was i do remember like some of maybe they i wasn't thinking specifically sturgeon decoys but like the underwater decoy thing is is it's kind of like the carved duck decoy kind of situation there where these things are transformed into their own artwork kind of of ways right so yeah to it kind of blends with all that heritage and tradition and the and the art form itself right so i guess at some point like we <clears throat> we had uh pat gregory on who does a lot of hand carving for waterfowl decoys specifically like canvas backs and like is it economical and and cheap and affordable and like it's not it's not at all but what it is it's it's like he's recreating tradition and and art at the same time to go hunt over these these hand carved wood canvas back decoys in the delta marsh so i'm guessing a lot of that plays into what what the the sturgeon decoys turn out to be yeah absolutely that yeah and like that's the thing too is like a lot of times with uh hunting and fishing it seems like a lot of people are trying to like go backwards instead of forwards. I'm not saying all people, but some people as in like getting back to the roots and, you know, traditional bows and, uh, you know, fishing gear that might be a little bit older just to say they've done it and say it can still be done. So it's fairly interesting. Hey, Adam, um, before we start wrapping things up, where, like, where can everyone find you? And like, uh, like you talked about your merch and stuff of that, like, where can we find all this stuff? So I'm uh, basically on all the social media platforms. Um, TikTok's probably my biggest one. I, I run a, my ice fishing stuff. I've been running a day-to-day series so you can tune in and kind of see what it's like to live out of a truck and hunt or uh, to basically ice fish and travel around. Do some more stuff as far as my travels of hunting and fishing on there as well. I, I have a YouTube channel. So if you want more of the YouTube full videography experience, you can go on there. Instagram, Facebook. You can find me wherever. And then uh, if you just Google free to prowl, my website will come up. There's uh, yeah, kind of a little bit more of a story and behind the scenes of what I am, what free to prowl is, as well as some merchandise as well. So free to prowl on any of those platforms, you'll be able to find me. That's awesome. Well, maybe uh, kind of do a quick little round table here. Um, you guys maybe gather your thoughts. I'll start first, but I just, uh, yeah, as soon as I see me on TikTok there, I just thought, man, like, this is so cool. I've, it's something that I've always kind of dreamt of doing, and I just don't have nuts big enough to just, you know, just file everything in and jump in my truck and start driving. Um, a lot of days I wish I could just jump in my truck and start driving. 
Um, so like kudos to you for doing that. I mean, it's, uh, we're, we're going to follow along as long as we can and support you by, you know, sharing your stuff, because uh, I think it's, there's a reason why people are following is because people want to do it. Right. And yeah, it's super cool. You're doing that. If you're ever, you know, planning a trip, maybe next fall, next winter, or whenever you want to come North again, uh, let us know. Cause, uh, we've got some cool spots we can, we can hook you up with. Maybe we'll make some content and collaborate a little bit. Love that. Honestly, like that's one of the, the coolest things about this whole experience is just, you know, people talking to good people and meeting good people and just learning new, you know, I'm always about just chasing new adventures. That's the biggest part about it. I want to experience as much as I can before, uh, like I said, before I die. And, you know, I'd love to love to come up and uh, experience some of uh, what Manitoba has to offer. I've experienced uh, I've experienced the ice fishing in uh, Ontario. I'd love to venture to your guys' side of the border and uh, experience some of that. So doors always open, man. Appreciate it. Tristan, you got anything else? Yeah, I was going to mention like we normally offer like a uh, uh, door open policy for like I'm I'm a not even a kilometer away from maybe like the the channel cat capital of the world they call it so like that's not a big deal that's yeah no big deal <laughs> that's what we offer folks so um you're not going to catch one through the ice so i'll tell you that much uh, maybe no? you will no you you'd be you know what if you could do it i've been fishing here for 25 30 years and i still have not caught one through the ice so they go somewhere no one knows um occasionally you'll see one pop up on the internet and uh everyone's mind is blowing but no you're, you're better off sticking to like kind of the walleye and stuff like that in the winter here um, but in the summer the, the channel cat bite is off the hook so i have a feeling that out of most of the guests that we extend that to you're probably more likely to take us up on that than oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> than than uh most of them so uh but we'll we'll extend it nonetheless because i think it'd be pretty awesome and uh i want to thank you for coming on because i got a i got a young family here right now so i will not be uh not be hopping in the truck anytime soon to to travel north america but i a i appreciate you living the dream for me and so i can live through your videos and stuff like that and b i also uh you know you, it's kind of well, I might not be able to jump in the truck, like it kind of inspired me to take just, you know, a, a step further into adventure. So it might not be the full truck living scenario, but maybe I'll try something new this, this winter, this, this summer here and uh, just get off the beaten path just a little further. So thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing your experience in that. Yeah, that's the biggest part about it. I just, I want to motivate people to get out there. And the biggest thing I tell people is just, uh, I mean, when I got started hunting out West, putting my buddies backs to the wall and telling them in two years we're going no excuses get your shit together get your gear buy what you need to do this is what we're doing right so i motivate people to do that just set a date make it happen right we all that set sounds dates. like a we threat all, just to be clear we, we all <laughs> we all set dates we set goals we set new year's resolutions but do some do some resolutions in the outdoors and get out there and just explore i mean we all got lots of public land and places to explore and tags to get so get out there and do it very well said well i'm just gonna probably just end this uh, quickly by just saying you're anytime you're welcome to come back on the podcast next time you want to travel from manitoba look us up and we'll go from there um but until next time man have uh safe travels and, and take care of yourself i appreciate it, gentlemen you guys take her easy too thanks for having me see you later well that was a great episode april i hope you're excited to listen to it because it's one of those types of people that are 
almost I don't, I don't want to say gypsy but like a nomad like just travels and fishes and that. he's got some yeah it's a pretty cool story and he just you know quit his job and you know sold a bunch of stuff so he can afford to drive around north america and fish it's pretty cool you're gonna have to listen to it but the couple of things that i want to mention on this outro before we take off is i want everyone to know where you can find april oh, april thanks. where can we find you on instagram facebook or anywhere else <laughs> So every, pretty much everywhere that I am is April Dawn Willis. So if you're looking on Instagram, it's at April Dawn Willis, all one word. Um, I've got a really small YouTube, same same name, April Dawn Willis. Um, I've got a Facebook page, um, sort of that like my Instagram is connected to the Facebook page. So if I post one place, it's going to show up on the other one. That's April Dawn Willis and... I think even my personal Facebook might even be April Dawn Willis. And if it's not that, then it's just April Willis. <laughs> and April Dawn Willis is wearing a panoramic hoodie right now, which is really nice supporting us. Um, Yay. And if you want to find any of our panoramic swag or merch, you can go to www.panoramicoutdoors.com. Everything should be in there. And actually at the end of March here, we're supposed to get a bunch of stuff in from being back ordered for three months. So, Super excited to get that all in and hopefully get it in for that Parkland Outdoor Show. Um, but yeah, if you want to find anything, go onto that website. If there's something that you can't find or like you just can't make it make sense, uh, DM us on Instagram uh, or Facebook at Panoramic Outdoors. And um, until next time, thanks, April, for jumping on. We really appreciate you doing the intro and the outro. Thanks for having me. I hope we get you on a bunch more times because it's always fun talking to you. <laughs>